Hi, love. This is Dawn, and you're listening to Dear Divorce Diary with my coach, Dawn, where we explore the post-divorce life and you, the woman who lives it. We cover everything from trauma during and after divorce to feeling like a stranger in your own life and the new frontier of life as a single woman. Cozy in for the conversations you've been longing to have about this new life. Hi, love. Welcome back. I am really excited today to take on a slightly different format because when I thought about talking with you about the idea of feeling stuck in life, I realized you have a lot of questions about why you're stuck, how to get unstuck, all the things that go with that. So I decided, why don't I just answer your specific questions and we'll chat within those answers. So today we're going to talk about feeling stuck. It is a very common sensation in a divorce, post-divorce experience. And it's something that I have related to it many times in my life. And it can be a very, very vulnerable place to be where we're really looking for answers and guidance and we're not feeling confident. (laughs) Um, So I'm excited to dig into this topic and to answer your specific questions to hopefully help you get unstuck concretely and move the needle like so you can take steps today to change this sensation. Um, The answers that I'm going to bring to you are based on all of my experience working with women throughout my career, right? The divorce coaching practice, the membership community, historically, my therapy practice. So, and then my own experience as a divorcee, right? So, and my own experience in therapy and and all of my healing work that I've done. So let's dig right into the first question that you asked, which is, what does it mean that I am stuck. And that question has a couple of answers, but the same root, in my opinion. So when you're stuck, it could be depression, or it could be indecision, or internal conflict, right? Or it could be that you're just really shut down, confused. It could be any number of those things. But at the core of all of that stuff is usually that you've stuffed so much of what you feel, what you think, what you believe down and have not worked through it enough to feel clear about a next action. And so a lot of times we shut off our feelings And we shut off our dreams and we shut off our ideas because we feel like if we bring those things to the surface, it's not going to help or you're not going to get anywhere. And then it feels like defeat on top of (laughs) whatever the painful thing was, right? So, So sometimes we just say like, well, fine, then I'll just like go small, right? And we build this like little box to function in that doesn't include all of the thoughts, feelings, and 
beliefs and ideas that we normally would be like living into because we don't want to get into power struggle or be rejected or like feel horrible amounts of uncertainty or loss or whatever it is. So so you build this tiny little box to function out of, but like it's hard to move in that box, aka stuck, right? So as I was preparing today, I was thinking about a very specific client who I spoke with this morning who was feeling very, very stuck. And she was presenting two different courses of action, two paths. And she's struggling to pick a path because she doesn't like either path. And I wonder if you can relate to that in in your experience of stuckness. And so she or you or any of us will remain stuck if you refuse to commit to some course of action, right? So, so pick a path or pick a step on a path, right? But, but we can't get unstuck without taking some action. And usually by taking some action, there, there becomes clarifying moments. And so, Getting unstuck doesn't mean that we're suddenly going to have clarity about what the rest of the path looks like. Often getting unstuck means taking a few steps in the dark, feeling our way through, <laughs> literally like feeling our way in the dark. And that's okay. And and I think that's what like being here helps with so that somebody else is like, like I'm shining my flash, flashlight for you right now, right? So that Oh, okay. This is how it's this is how it goes. This is common. This is familiar. Other people feel this too. Okay, I'm not crazy. So you can doubt yourself less so you can move forward more. Yeah. The next question you have is about what causes you to feel lost. And feeling lost is slightly different than stuck. Um, I think they're very related, right? Feeling lost is like, I don't know where I am and therefore feel stuck because I don't know what to do. But feeling lost is like a disoriented. It's not as much refusal, right? Stuck is like a refusal to take a step. Lost is a disorientation, I no longer can tell where I've been, where I am, and where I'm going. And I think that that lost feeling comes as a result of having, again, shoved down so many thoughts, feelings, beliefs, ideas, because for some reason, expressing them or living into them has been met with resistance or rejection for a number of years usually. I think for many of us, this started just through societal influences, right, of shutting down, whether we go all the way back to children should be seen and not heard, right, or um, how, however it was that, that it's been communicated to us that, um, you know, we shouldn't think too much, we shouldn't feel too much, we shouldn't look too much, like, we, you know, it should all be a certain way. And then if you get into a marriage with someone who you feel like shuts you down, then it just, it's like compounding. And so digging out of that experience of feeling minimized or undervalued, right? There's a certain muscle 
action that's taken there, finding our voice and like rebuilding our strength to say the things, do the things, express, to express, to live into your passions. Um, So lost is that really disoriented, who am I? Where have I been? Where am I going? How can I get reconnected with parts of me I've lost touch with? And part of that is around um, this next question that you ask, which is what causes emotional detachment? Because part of what happens when we're in that lost place is we've become detached emotionally because to cope with the things that you're going through, it's easier to do it without all of those emotions being on full blast all the time. And maybe you've been with a partner who was really shut down around their emotions as well, which you've probably found exceedingly frustrating. (laughs) Um, But emotional attachment, detachment, it's a coping skill, right? It's a way of coping when we don't feel understood or received. And when we don't feel understood or received, that comes with rejection. And if it's long enough, then that rejection starts to feel like abandonment. And um, it, it sometimes just becomes too much to bear. And and God forbid that you've experienced abuse, then detaching emotionally is literally how we survive abuse. So the more we emotionally detach, though, the more we lose ourselves, the more we feel lost, the more we stay stuck. So these are these things are all interconnected. So we, we start to see that, oh, so what do I do when I've lost myself? Well, I've got to start reattaching to our emotional process. Start acknowledging, and this is one of the things that I do in the very beginning of my 21-day journaling program, is where do I feel these feelings in my body? Where do I feel mad, sad, glad, afraid, or ashamed in my body? And the more we inquire about that, the more we're reconnecting our emotional awareness, the more we can express, the more we can take steps to find self, get unlost, get unstuck. And then you may notice, this ties into your next question, that even after you start to do those things, that you're struggling with staying stuck in the past. And you may have asked, like, why am I so stuck in the past? And I, I want to say that being stuck in the past is, well, there's a couple of reasons, right? Have you ever sat with your high school girlfriends and were storied about high school life and retold the same stories? And it's like, why do we keep going back to these same stories? Because there was a lot of joy there. So sometimes we go to the past because there's joy there. And we are having trouble cultivating joy in our present day. But sometimes we go to the past and ruminate or rehearse painful things and have trouble letting it go. And we do that sometimes out of a bad habit, but usually because something about it feels incomplete. Something around the who, what, when, where, and why is unanswered and feels very incomplete. And so we revisit the past to really try to make sense of it, to really 
retry, like try to regain our sense of understanding about how and why something unfolded and what our role was in it. Because we want to be good stewards of our experiences. We want to learn from the past so that we don't reenact it in the future, right? And so I want you to give yourself the benefit of the doubt that if you're struggling with being stuck in the past, that it's for a good reason. But sometimes we have to really get well-boundaried around not living in the past and leaving reviewing the past for productive session like coaching sessions therapy sessions spiritual growth sessions right like not living in the past day to day to day to day to day day in and day out because that's rehearsing the problem and then you're reinforcing neural pathways that are going to keep you stuck in the problem and literally keep you in that stuck sensation versus when we rehearse the solution and we rehearse our hopes and we rehearse our dreams and we say, this is what I want and this is what I'm working towards. When you are rehearsing the problem in the past, you're literally inhibiting your ability to commit to a new course of action, aka getting unstuck. So, so moving on from the past requires segmenting when you revisit it to really productive sessions with a guide of some sort and then making a hard choice you know you've asked how do I stop revisiting the past it's making a hard choice okay I'm gonna not do this outside of a coaching session and if I catch myself doing it I'm going to redirect myself because I understand that if I keep rehearsing the past, I am now contributing to my own misery, my own suffering. And I can't blame anybody else for that except myself. So, you know, sometimes we want a magical answer. How do I stop revisiting the past? Sometimes we want an answer that's like, oh, just, you know, flip this lever and say the word green and then it'll be done, right? Nope. (laughs) The only way out is through. But we do have to really get good at Focusing on here's my dreams and here's what I'm working towards and then in specific places figuring out and making sense of the past so that we can feel complete with it so that we can shed it naturally versus trying to force ourselves to right just being really well boundary there's a there's a natural shedding that happens when we work through things and we feel complete with them but for a while you're going to have to probably practice just setting limits with yourself. And then the next question you ask about feeling stuck is, why do I miss someone who hurt me? And I love this question because it reminds us that people aren't all good or all bad, right? You can absolutely love the essence of a person and your hopes and dreams that have to do with that person. You can see the best in a person and also acknowledge that their shadow self damaged your relationship, just like your shadow self damaged your relationship, right? There are parts of us that that are not kind, <laughs> and sometimes they come out to play. But, but our choices, our shame is not our personhood, right? So you can love someone in their essence and not love the choices that they made, not love the rejecting behavior, not love the dismissive or abusive or hostile behavior, not 
like the betraying behavior, but but realize that that's not the essence of the person. That's probably some combination of trauma behavior, personality, you know, social influences, and it's not who they are. So if you still love someone or miss someone who hurt you, congratulations. I'm glad because it means that you have the capacity to forgive people. You have the capacity to accept that nobody's perfect. Um, but it is important to know when, <laughs> when to to still say no, right, and, and let go. Um, and that sometimes is why we hold on too long. The next question you ask, and this one fascinates me and it comes with a very hard answer, but the next question you ask is, how do I let go of the love of my life? And this question has a thinking error in it, right? If this person was the love of your life, then you would probably still be together. So I heard this quote not too long ago about, and I can't remember who said it, um, this idea that in the course of our lives, our values ideally stay the same, but our beliefs change with our experience, right? We, we want to cultivate values of love and tolerance and um, compassion and all those things, but with experience, our beliefs change. So when you're five, we want you to have the same values of love and tolerance and acceptance and all those things, but you're not going to believe the same things at five that you will at 25 that you will at 50 because life experience informs our understanding of how things work. And with our own process of growth and maturation, we're like, oh, like there's more to understand about this. So you may believe that this person was the love of your life today, but I want you to stay focused that if you work your plan and you stay on the path of healing and growing through this, that you probably aren't going to believe that this is the love of your life 10 years from now. Because if that were the case, you would still be together. If it's over, do your best to trust that that is what is meant to be on your path and that this is happening for a reason and that you can work within that knowledge and grow through it. And I believe in you that you can do that. And if you find yourself stuck in that spot, then just know that you might be like my client I referenced earlier who there's two choices she's being faced with and she doesn't like either of them, but she's the chooser of her choices, right? You love are the chooser of your choices. If you're stuck there and you're like, well, I don't like that this per- this person may not be the love of my life and I therefore I don't want to move forward because I want to stay in this kind of fantasy land where I believe that they are, you are choosing stuckness then. So maybe open to the idea that this person may not be the love of your life and that the love of your life is still out there waiting for you to grow through this. I like to believe in that. I think that that is staying in the solution, in the dream of what you want. It's having faith in yourself and your ability to get where you want to go rather than voting against yourself and staying stuck in the past. These are really big, really big, deep 
questions and answers. And I get that. Um, and I get that this next question of how do you get unstuck in life? It's, it's not an easy answer, right? How you get unstuck is probably going to involve making a choice you don't want to make. And you're afraid that if you make it, you might be making the wrong one. But it boils down to making a series of choices, no matter how small, even if it's to go to the first therapy session, even if it's to go find a spiritual community to start making sense of what you're going through, even if it means going to some group to talk about what you've experienced, even if it means finding a podcast or reading a book, like taking an action in the direction of where you want to go. And I think part of getting unstuck is asking yourself that question, what do I want? And and if you answer that with a rear-facing answer, right, you're going the wrong direction. So what do I want for my future? So that's not a specific person, right? It's It's to do with you. What do you want for your future? And if you ask that question and you don't know the answer, then there's your work. But getting unstuck involves identifying where you want to go. And then we can get into the nitty gritty of the roadblocks that you might perceive in getting you there, right? But a lot of those roadblocks are just ourself and our limiting beliefs. So your assignment from this pod today is write down, and not just in your phone, with a pen, (laughs) where you want to go, what you want for your life. And that, my love, is how you will get unstuck. That is... You know, some of these other questions that you've had, how do I find myself again? How can I live my own life? All of the answers are within the answer. What do I want? Have you ever noticed that when we ask ourselves what I want, what do I want? We tend to respond first with what you don't want. (laughs) It's such a funny phenomenon. And and so I want to challenge you getting unstuck, finding yourself living into who you are, who you're meant to be, is around being able to identify what you want and then being able to claim it, but being able, being willing to believe that what you want is possible and that you are willing to do what it takes to get it. And then the last question you asked that's on this topic, how do you love yourself That is the answer, right? When you identify what you want, you believe that it is possible for you and you are willing to do what it takes to get it, that's an investment in yourself that you would do for your children or for your family or for your best friend, right? That's love in action. It's believing in yourself enough to invest in who you are and how you live. And that is loving yourself enough to show up and say, your dreams are worth putting the energy and the intention and the resources behind making them happen. And not getting all of that limiting belief crap about it's too late or it's not worth it, so why bother? Like all that stuff is old, old tapes, old garbage. You don't have to keep it. If you keep it, it's a choice. And... um. 
I see it every day in my coaching practice and in my therapy practice where when we work on getting people unstuck from those limiting beliefs, like, man, it's like taking the governor off and they can run. And it is so cool and it is the greatest honor of my life to be able to sit with women in those spaces and help them get past their own difficulty being in love with and committed to their own dreams, their own personhood. So I hope that you have some more clarity about how and why you're stuck. And I hope that you run with this journaling prompt of what do I want? Not what you don't want. (laughs) See, I see you. I know you. And I'd love to hear your story of what you want, right? I'd love to hear it. Feel free to send it over. And until then, know that I am over here rooting for you. I know you're capable. I know that you have big dreams in your heart. And just because those dreams have been stomped on for way too long does not mean that that has to be your future. So I am wrapping you in a huge hug unless you don't like hugs. And then I am like staring at you with puppy dog eyes, like willing love into you. (laughs) And know that I am over here thinking of you until we meet again. Have a beautiful week. Peace. Dear Divorce Diary is a podcast by My Coach Dawn. You can find more at mycoachdawn.com.